Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Uh, We sit around this table every week and encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Sitting with me again today, uh, Matt Bates, Scott Slater, Tim Ike I'm Spencer Snow. It's good to be with you this week. Thanks for joining us. Um, We're going to continue on with our discussion of progressive Christianity, and Pastor Scott has been leading our discussion and is our resident expert on progressive Christianity. So, Pastor Scott, you want to take it? Sure. We are on commandment number nine, which is um, the way that I see these Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity is that really you're the the biggest ones, the ones that make the biggest kind of splash when you drop them into the water, is uh, the first two and the last two. And so we've done the first two already. This is the the first of the last ones, though. And it is uh, very simply stated, we should care more about love and less about sex. And essentially what this is, it is the progressive Christian statement on why homosexuality should be accepted within the church. So Michael Kruger, that wrote the book that we're kind of using to guide our discussion here, when he talks about this in the book, he he sees that this one element of progressive Christianity right here is actually this is the whole this is the reason for the whole mm. scheme of progressive Christianity. And he even said he says this. He says that these Ten Commandments of progressive Christianity are a pathway to moral freedom regarding sex. When you listen to, and this is getting back into what we had talked about many weeks ago in terms of deconversion stories. When you hear someone's deconversion story, especially of a famous person or like like a musical artist or just another person that's in the spotlight, their story almost always has something to do with a redefining of what is acceptable practice of sexuality, uh, whether that is um, they have friends that came out as gay or they started seeing the damage that was done to those who are gay within the church. And uh, But long story short, it always seems to incorporate within it uh, a redefining of sexuality. And what Kruger kind of gets at at his book is that the reason you have to redefine Christianity with these Ten Commandments is in order to fit this within Christianity. It is the only way to fit a uh, the acceptance of homosexuality as good and right within Christianity is to deconstruct everything else about it. So in his, I'll I'll just read these things and then we can you know talk about it. I guess. What he does is he actually goes through what you tend to hear in deconstruction stories, how they tend to frame the story, and he does it in uh, several steps. And so he says, uh, step one, tout the moral virtues of those in sexual sin. So basically talk about this. I I realized how nice my gay friend was, kind of thing like that. Step two, insist that God has bigger things to worry about. So basically downplay the fact that God even cares about this. Step three, show that the disputed sexual behavior leads to good results. Step four, 
portray those who are against certain sexual behaviors as mean-spirited and cruel. Step five, insist that Jesus is on your side. So basically, find places in Scripture, and I would say twist what it says to show that Jesus would actually support what you're saying. That tends to be the general pattern that you hear in these deconversion stories from people that that share about this. Um, If you look online, if you look on Instagram especially, I would say that probably 50% of the posts that you see about progressive Christianity have something to do with homosexuality. This is a really big topic and a really big deal when it comes to progressive Christianity. Um, So, I mean, do you guys agree with it? Should we care more about love and less about sex? Probably. I mean, (laughs) um, I think you should care about love and you should think, or then, and you could, you should care about sex. I I don't see why you have to pit them against each other. Mm -hmm. We're definitely in a culture that's over sexualized just in general. And so, uh, sex comes separated from love, things like that. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bad statement, but for what they're meaning, I guess. Which I, I would have said the opposite, that they actually care way more about sex because they actually find their identity in it, a lot of them. But if you ask them, who are you, that would be one of the first things they say. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why this conversation is so difficult is because and why it's such a hurtful statement to someone who is gay or lesbian uh, would be you you can't say as a Christian, love the sinner, hate the sin. And to them, because in their mind, no, 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 this isn't just part, this isn't something I do, this is who I am, mm-hmm. right? You're right, they do elevate this. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's like, sex is everything and sex is nothing in, in this uh, scheme. It's nothing because it doesn't matter at all whatever you do, but then on the other hand, if you challenge or question my sexual practices or my sexual identity you're questioning the core of who i am mm-hmm. um so they've placed their whole identity and value and um uh, yeah who who they are is defined by their sexual practices and um sexual attractions which of course we would we would say that's then a a re that's a a different understanding of the self of the person of personhood than the scriptures uh, uh, give us, so we have we have different understandings of that. So it's it's interesting on they 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 do both. Um. So Scott, whenever they talk about more about love, less about sex, they're talking about it primarily is this sexual identity or sexual practice, or is this does that make sense? Whenever they're saying, I don't think they separate those two things. I think they. They see it as, I would say probably more, they more focus on sexual identity because this is part of their identity and who they are. That's what that's what you hear about it. But I mean, a, an obvious and necessary outworking of that is sure. sexual practice. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, it has to go with everything. I mean, sexual practices don't matter so much. I guess those within progressive Christianity, such as Matthew Vines, would have a little bit more um, rigidity in terms of sexual practice, mm. in terms of, like, he, I don't think, in fairness, I don't think that he would say that everything is wide open for everybody to do. Like, he would still expect fidelity 
in a monogamous union, right. even if even if it's between a man and a woman. So he he would not be for I'll put it this way promiscuous homosexuality. Correct. He would be for, yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair to him, right. yeah, that's what he teaches. That's what I've heard him say. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you hear this, this is the secular creed, love is love, mm-hmm. and I think that's why they focus more on that uh, than they do sex, is because they don't see it as an issue of sex, they see it as an issue of love. And it's really hard to contend with that kind of language, or, or to, to speak against that, right? It's one of those things where if, if you speak against this, all of a sudden you're at least positioned within the conversation as being against love. It's hard to overcome that, and it's hard to talk about that. Um, but if you look through the rest, I mean, if you just think about all of these commandments up to this point, Jesus is a model for living more than an object of worship. Affirming people's potential is more important than reminding them of their brokenness. The work of reconciliation should be valued over making judgments. Gracious behavior is more important than right belief. Inviting questions is more invaluable than supplying answers. Encouraging the personal search is more important than group uniformity. Meeting actual needs is more important than maintaining institutions. Peacemaking is more important than power. It's almost like all of these things, all of these commandments, is kind of building this skeleton and scaffolding in order to fit this into hmm. the, your, your understanding of Christianity, to open up the floodgates in order for this to be acceptable. Um, do you guys feel like this is this is still an issue like within Christianity or do you feel like the dust has kind of settled on the issue of homosexuality um you know is this like a big ongoing debate still or is this kind of settled we've kind of drawn the lines where they are people know which side they're landing on does this make sense at all I think as the, the there's always it's always going on at some level on the one hand the lines are drawn and um, so you see whether that's denominationally or person to person or um, churches uh, drawing those lines. But then the, one of the things that happens is, though, is that the as the lines are still drawn, though, um, it doesn't mean the, the fight is over, so to speak, if I can use the language of fighting. But I don't want to. But I think the point is, is that this is going to be a, an issue. We're not done dealing with it either. Um, so you'll see some some churches and denominations are. Um, you know, for instance, the uh, the whole uh, the the PCA, the Presbyterian Church of America, is particularly um, dealing with the whole issue of uh, sexual identity and um, how that it, the proper way in which a Christian and a church should understand sexual identity, um, its relationship to, particularly in their instance, what um, the the calling of a pastor, all those issues like that. So. Churches are dealing with it, but it's also going to be something we're we're going to be continuing to face. I, I think. Um, Spencer, par- what is the PCA? Presbyterian Church okay. in America. Um, and part of the problem is too is that we haven't done a good job, maybe as in the in churches on the ground to various degrees of uh, defining love, defining um, what it means to be a person what it means to be human. Um, I've heard listening to, to people too, and I think this could be true. We don't have a good, we haven't really done a good job of teaching the whole category of creation and nature um, to people in our churches. 
of understanding what it means to be human, what it means to be a creature, what because because these are all categories that are being in that we're we're, we're discussing issue, uh, categories that are creational, um, but we don't really have the categories to do it because we haven't talked about it so much um, in our churches. So uh, we're trying right now to catch up, in a sense, um, which is what we need to do, but. It's also a big challenge um, in helping people understand how to define love, how to think through these things from a biblical perspective um, within the church as well. So I, I, I think it's going to be a continuing issue we're going to have to face going forward. Yeah, I think it's the hot-button issue for culture to rail against churches because it's it's been lumped together with like a hate crime to stand against mm-hmm. homosexuality. Mm-hmm. It's not a hate crime to stand against abortion. But it's a hate crime to stand against this, and so I think it's going to be you know what's used as leverage to to uh, go after churches. It already has been, so I, I don't think it's over. Maybe maybe within like Christian circles and in denominations, people have made you know denominations have made their choices is where we take a stand. But I think culturally, it's still going to be how they well, go after and, and i think uh, you know this again goes back to an article i read by by somebody but they pointed out that the the church um for us our reference point as we think about as ourselves as christians in the 21st century you look back and you're trying to find parallels of like situations that people have been in compared to us today and you're trying to look back for you know um wisdom or whatever and this this one author pointed out that um it's not so much the the reformation times you know whenever you had a state church and people assumed um basically christian values at some level they under, they thought christianity would be the norm um whether or not you were roman catholic or you were protestant or whatever but actually our maybe our 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 parallel is actually going to be like the second and third century because back then christians were considered haters of all men mm-hmm. you you hate everybody yeah you don't join in with us. You, 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 and you can see why why the the, the pagan culture of Rome uh, around would consider the church because they were saying we're all sinners. You all need to repent and come back to God. And that's actually a pretty good parallel to where we're at today. The society is growing more and more hostile to us, and we're considered the the haters of all humanity mm-hmm. because we're not allowing love, uh, supposedly according to the culture's definitions. So I, I think this is going to be, in, and you know, I mean, honestly, you look back even a decade ago to 2011, it feels like a different world. Mm. And then a decade before that, 2001, with September 11th and all that stuff, you're like, it's a different world back then. Mm-hmm. And so things have not simply progressed, but progressed at a rapid level, um, accelerated. So I see this issue continuing to be, um, I mean, of course, the Lord can change anything in history and in his providence, and maybe he will. Um, but if things continue on the trajectory, they seem to be headed. Um, we're we're going to continue to have friction and collisions with the society at some level with this mm-hmm. issue. It seems to me like when I've come across deconversion, it's always two issues. It's either the homosexuality thing or it's women pastors. It always seems to be the, the mm-hmm. gateway. I mean, I don't know if that's... I know you mentioned it about homosexuality, that it seems to be a big one, but yeah, it seems like women uh, in the pasture is another one where people start to change their mind. They start to get wishy-washy on that. And when you finally break it down, it's it's 
well, I feel like I should be a pastor or, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. And yeah. you, you see that happen. And I mean, to some extent, for most people, a lot of people, they don't spend time studying and understanding theology until they have to. And so something like divorce, you know, this may be something they don't really think about what the Bible says. They'll just say, says, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden it's creeped up in their family or for you mm-hmm. or whatever. Now all of a sudden you're like, well, I want to know what it says. Yeah. And so then you start to approach it and study it. And it seems like this is the same way, right? Forever. It was just known. Like the answer is no, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden it became more prevalent, like you said, and you get to know somebody and maybe it's your kid or whatever it might be. And so you're like, well, I don't know. I don't want to, they're good. Like they're, they've been good. They've been kind and you know, they're just like me. It's just this, maybe, maybe the Bible says something different. Let's, let's actually read it. Let's actually study it. Let's try to figure it out now. And then their theology is impacted, but they're going in at an angle. It seems like of trying to Mm -hmm. clarify it so that they don't have to say it's Mm -hmm. sinful. Yeah. I, I, I taught a four week series to the youth after actually after we did this oh oh was that you it was me it's embarrassing <laughs> kind of just wow <laughs> i thought i silenced my yeah. phone but i taught a four-week series uh about sexuality to the youth after this because sexuality within progressive christianity is such a big deal there are some things that needed to be clarified and just takes time working through the scripture, but what I told them at the very beginning is that this is such a big issue, specifically for youth and, but even for families, like you said, because people haven't really thought about it. All they've thought is what they've been told growing up: homosexuality is a sin, done, easy. But then all of a sudden, yes, somebody in your family, uh, whether it's your son, your daughter, or maybe your best friend, comes out to you, and what are you supposed to say? Because like you said, like I, this person, we tend to think of sinners, you know, quote unquote sinners, as being evil, bad people, like the, the scum of the earth kind of thing. But then when all of a sudden this person you find out is that doing something that you've been told is sinful, this person doesn't seem like the scum of the earth. So is what they're doing really that bad? But then the conversation gets to a point where you're having to make the decision of, Am I going to hold fast to what I've been taught? But the problem is, and because of what we've been talking about with the 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 incoming of this part of being part of their identity, of their sexual identity, the fact is when your friend comes out to you, and this is not true in all cases, but in most cases when that happens, what's actually happening is your friend is asking you to draw a line in the sand. Are you going to end our friendship, or are you going to accept me as I am? It, I personally think it's very rare to see people continue to be friends when one says, I'm a lesbian, and the other says, I don't agree with how you're living, and I think it's wrong, but I'm still willing to be your friend. It's kind of hard to keep a relationship going when that happens. And to be and, fair, it goes both ways, because sometimes... You know, the person like, I, I don't, you know, I think you're sinning by living that. I can't be your friend. Yeah. I, you, I have to get rid of you out of my life. Yeah. And I think that just that, that happens too, but it's just, um, I think that's the reason why people are so mm-hmm. tempted to give in on this area 
um, because it is becoming so much more socially acceptable. People don't want to lose their sons. They don't want to lose their daughters. And it's a pretty good parallel with divorce, really, in the church. I mean, yeah. you know, not, it wasn't too long ago. It was rare to find people divorce, you know, and now it's every, it's everywhere. And same within the church. It was, it was shunned in the church. This isn't something we do as Christians. We get married and we stay, you know, we stay married. But it became kind of the normal thing and it wasn't it was overlooked and never really dealt with or you know and just they're good people and they made a bad decision and that's okay mm-hmm. you know type of thing god will forgive it and you know to now when it's it's absolutely the norm uh and it seems like this is kind of the same trend and i don't think we're at the same spot mm-hmm. where it's just the complete norm but i'd be i'll bet you I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of people within their family or one of their friends, this has happened, I would say, in oh, most yes. people's lives. Yep. I mean, where it's not like super strange to hear mm-hmm. this anymore. So mm-hmm. it's kind of heading in that direction, and everybody's going to have to deal with it yep. at some point to say, this is what I think. This is what I think Scripture says. This is what I think a faithful Christian, how they should live when it comes to this, when mm-hmm. it comes to sex. Uh, and so if people are just being wishy-washy about it right now, uh, you're not going to be able to be for, for long. Mm-mm. You just can't. Yeah. Also, one of the things that you brought out with the parallel with divorce um, is interesting, is that while there there are biblically mm-hmm. um, sanctioned instances where divorce is permissible sure. under God's law, yeah. oftentimes, I don't know what the percentage of any of this would be, but one of the things that happens in divorce is I don't is where maybe someone says, I don't love you or um, I can't be myself and be with you anymore. Or I'm, I feel fake or mm-hmm. I just don't love you. Notice what's going on there. It's the same idea of the self. Yeah. It's the same internalizing of the self that it doesn't matter what reality says about the covenant we've made in this relationship internally. I am not here anymore, so therefore the real me is not here. Therefore, I can break this off. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a common uh, understanding again, though, about people that that in some instances, at least, of of divorce, do they actually have a similar understanding of selfhood that even people who are identifying as homosexual or whatever um, would as well. So it's not like we just all of a sudden got here. Um, and people all of a sudden got this idea of how to understand themselves. Um, we've been doing this for a really long time, and we're just now bearing the fruits mm-hmm. of, of of this. Um, anyway, that just kind of came to mind when you're saying that. Yeah, and it's not a topic, I think, to make light. It's not a topic even to necessarily draw a line saying black and white. I mean, I think we all would agree that we the Bible says homosexuality is a sin. And so if you want to talk about black, white, and that. But it's very hard when... Um, I don't know, the aunt that you've loved forever all of a sudden says, I'm, I'm lesbian now. I've always been lying and this is who I am. It's hard. How do you handle that? Do you remove her from your life? Do you continue to have a closer, as close a relationship? You know, what does that look like? Are they going to allow me to say it's wrong and be my friend? And so it's a very touchy subject and it is very hard to deal with and wade through um well mm-hmm. but you need to do that you, you can't hide from it you know you can't 
to me, you can't run from what Scripture is saying. You need to be true to God's Word for sure. But uh, when you come to these instances for Christians, the best way to handle it is to be as loving as possible. To know that to love somebody doesn't mean you accept their their sin. That might be what they say, but that's not the truth. Um, and we do it with other sin. You know, there's other sins that people have that, you know, you could be friends with an alcoholic, you know, and you tell them, you're an alcoholic and you need to deal with it. You know, and that alcoholic usually doesn't look at you and say, you just need to accept who I am or you can't be my friend. You know what I mean? So you can still be friends with that person. There might even be distancing from the alcoholic. Like, I don't think it's safe for me to be with you much anymore. Like, we're going to have, because of this problem. Mm-hmm. But you're still loving to that person is what I'm saying, right? You mm-hmm. still love for, love them and you care for them. And it should be the same in, in these instances where you do that. And, again, it's not a black and white issue. It's something you have to wait in. You're going to get messy, probably going to get hurt. The other person might get hurt. But it's worth doing that to handle it in a, good christian humble way yeah you know um might lose a friend might lose a family member so to speak um, but you also might not it might do well it might come out well they might you might have an opportunity to talk with them and share with them and who knows what god can do in that relationship down the road so it is very muddy and difficult though i just i don't know i think sometimes people need to hear that because it i mean it happens here you know, and families are like, what in the world do we do? You I, know? I guarantee you there is not a single family in our church that has not had to wade through this at some level. I don't know. I'm sure most. That's why I say most. I yeah. don't know. There might be some. but Yeah. It's not, I mean, I say I guarantee you not just because, not because I know for a fact, right. but just because everybody knows somebody now, I think, that has come out as gay. Or and this isn't just even about homosexuality; it's also about the 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 idea of some a person changing their gender, sure. and that that comes in at all. It's all about this idea of the self that that happens. And um, I mean, and you can't hide from it. Families can't hide from it. You can't hide it from your kids. Watch TV; it is on every every. Mm-hmm. I mean, we like to watch game shows at home. It is hard to see a game show that doesn't have a homosexual couple on it. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, if there's if mm-hmm. there's three contestants, one of them is yeah. every time, yeah. you know, and every show now has homosexuality in it to some mm-hmm. extent. You just you just can't hide from it. And I guess you could just say, well, we're not going to have TV. We're not going to have your kids are going to find it. They but the reality too is is to understand the culture is catechizing your children. Absolutely, and so yeah. you've got to be ready to mm-hmm. do the same thing with not just Scott. Mm-hmm. Scott's doing his part, but also as parents, um, as Christians, you've got to be ready to catechize each other. Yeah. And that's why I say because, don't hide it. You can't hide from this. Is why right. I'm saying you gotta yeah. you gotta deal with it. Right. And yeah. the way that comes out with seeing a gay couple on a game show is, you know, you say catechizing. It's not like media is instructing. Sometimes the catechesis that's happening is mere desensitizing. Yeah, like sure. making sin this is look normal. normal. Yes, right, right. And I mean, this right. is on. This is one of those issues where I say personally that I think parents need to talk to their kids about this a lot sooner than what they probably think they do, mm-hmm. because they're going to see it. They're going to notice mm-hmm. it. It's right. not even on TV. It's in school. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's just everywhere. Yeah. it's on billboards. I mean, it's it's ev- it's absolutely everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can't get away from it. So, yeah, you have right. to right. train your child and teach them what they're seeing, that, hey, this isn't normal. You know, hey, this this isn't right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. This goes against 
mm-hmm. God's word and you know even tell them you will be shunned when you take that stand in school know that mm-hmm. you know and also yeah and build up a positive image uh, again of of creation of individuals of what it is to be a human Mm -hmm. Um, part of the problem with our past training i think is we've told people what they shouldn't be but we've not built up a good understanding of creation beforehand of what it means to be man and woman what it means to be created in god's image what it means to be um, created with a a a sexual aspect to your being um, and why that's important so it's 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 doing both of those things um, because, like we say, the culture is um, is the culture always I say the culture um, society around us is always going to be be doing that to some level. So it's just a good reminder to us mm-hmm. that we have to we have to be aware of that, but train them up. <clears throat> I think you see another failure within the church. I mean, I'm thinking about Joshua Harris and him de- deconverting. I think we've talked about him on here, mm-hmm. right, Josh Harris? Maybe. I would have to think we have. Yeah. But Not the quarterback from Bowling Green. No. Right? Big upset this week. Remember, I think he, wasn't he a quarterback from Bowling Green a long time ago? Josh Harris? I think, wasn't there a Josh Harris? I don't know. Okay. Sorry. sorry. Go ahead. We can edit that out. Um, no, we can't. Come on. Where was the <laughs> wah, wah, wah? Come on, Matt. Look that up on, look that up right now. But we failed, I think, as churches of teaching about sex and, you know, we would talk about love, but we failed that and we actually ran from it and so we taught how bad it was and how to stay away from it and all the diseases you can get (laughs) from it and all the negative things and so much so i mentioned josh harris because he writes a book Mm -hmm. i kiss dating goodbye we shouldn't even date we shouldn't do any of this stuff this is all bad this is all horrible and now he's recanted from that book he calls himself i don't know maybe it depends on the day if he's a Christian or not. I don't know. I think he changes I don't think constantly. He identifies as a Christian anymore. But what you're what you're talking about right there is a big theme that you'll see in deconstruction stories mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. progressive Christianity, and it's referred to under the general term of purity culture. Yeah, the purity culture, which was you know pushed big time, and it was almost like a culture's going this way to this extreme. How about we go to the other extreme? And that wasn't the answer. That wasn't going to solve anything to where now you actually damaged a lot of people uh going to this other extreme and they've went flying off to to the other end Mm -hmm. just to get away from it instead of teaching what is actually natural and right and good and beautiful in god's eyes when done appropriately just like anything else i mean food food is beautiful and great and good and a gift that god has given us but you can absolutely sin in it mm-hmm. right and we see that and you can be destroyed over it or there's all kinds of things that we could talk about that are good but in excess it becomes damning it becomes horrible for you and sex is the is the same way and i just we just didn't we did not handle it well i say we not as like mnbc but as the church just didn't handle that well and and so we we bear some of the some of the blame you know i think in in it I think a lot of the blame is not seeing the deeper issues that are actually going on. Like Spencer, you brought up earlier is that really at the core of this is a misunderstanding of who we are as human beings. Mm -hmm. That's really what's going on at the core Mm -hmm. of this. And the longer it takes for somebody to understand that, the longer it's going to take for like to, for whatever you teach, no matter what it is, it's not actually going to address the issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Much more fundamental to sex here Mm -hmm. is identity. Right. And who God created you to be, uh, that's really what's on the table here. A lot of people who I see deconvert, I don't know if this is true or not, but they come from a background of kind of earning your salvation. 
they're they're very law oriented very like the purity culture very very law based very strict uh, rules where there's not a lot of grace given very often ever and you have to earn this and you've got to obey this and you've got to do this and where your worth is tied up in that and so they felt abused in that and they see some freedom outside of that saying these people are saying who I am actually is right no matter what I am like and I can just be mm-hmm. who I am and how I feel that sounds very attractive, mm-hmm. and it found, mm-hmm. sounds very freeing. I'm not under this weight and this mm-hmm. guilt, which is interesting because the gospel is supposed to be talked about that way. Mm-hmm. The gospel frees us of our weight, of our guilt, of our shame, because it's not about me obeying or serving or anything. Mm-hmm. It was about Christ obeyed, and he went before yeah. his Father and did all this, and my guilt right. and shame is gone, and I'm free, and I obey him now because of that, and I want to serve him, and there's perseverance we see in Scripture and all this stuff. I don't want to minimize that and we obey him but the people that i see coming to these deconversion stories oftentimes when you start hearing in their background they lived a life of law in their faith that's really what it was based off of a very legalistic approach to their salvation and they might still say words like grace and faith but when you start to hear how they were practicing their faith it didn't have much to do with grace at all Mm -hmm. really it was it was law and they're fleeing from it Mm-hmm. And that law can take a number of different forms. Mm-hmm. It can take what we might often think of as people being legalist, or it can take the form of being always obsessed with the inner spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And evangelicalism is really, I mean, I, by that I mean most conservative people that would consider themselves Protestants at some level. Um, that is really the, the, the basic approach to Christianity. And that's why, uh, whether or not that's the way you come to know Jesus, how do you come to know Jesus? Well, I have an emotional experience, mm-hmm. and therefore I come to know him because I know oh, I go through this really big spiritual experience. And then you continue your Christian life by coming to church to get the spiritual experience, and it's the pastor and the worship leader's job to make sure I get that spiritual experience. Where the scriptures say experiences come and go, but who you are is determined by the word of God. And that don't matter how you feel mm-hmm. at some level, right? It's called for repentance, which is an action primarily of the will, not of the feelings. Yeah. Now, feelings should come from that, but it's primarily the will. And then it's of faith receiving the gift. That's a totally different perspective. But I think many people have, we've taught them in evangelical churches that your, your standing and your experience is of that Christianity is primarily about the interior life. And so whenever they, they real, that's going to wear you out eventually. And then whenever they, um, when the interior life doesn't transform the way they think it should, well, then they just give up and then they can go to these places because they've always been taught already that who you are is who you are on the inside, mm-hmm. which is there's a little bit of truth again in that, but but they take it to the point to where it's it's always internalized, introspective. And so then, well, it's an easy step away then to go yeah. and say, well, I've always been this way. Yeah. And, and these that, people are affirming my identity, really who I am. And we're wanting to say, experience is good you've got to you have to do that some level but primarily your your identity is given to you in the word of god Mm -hmm. and you're called to repent and believe that i was going to say that internal introspection also erodes your foundation in another way in christian theology when you begin emphasizing the way that you feel and looking for that inward internal confirmation of what is good and right and true Mm. 
that's a misunderstanding of who we are yep. and a a lack of understanding of just how much our fallen nature has impacted mm-hmm. us and how we feel and right. an understanding of how original sin works its way out in our lives because the reality is I don't, I don't disagree that some people feel like I am only attracted to people of the same sex and this feels completely natural to me. I I don't doubt that that's true for some people. The question is is that good or bad? Mm-hmm. Is it morally neutral? And the way that we weigh that question is not based on how we feel. It is based on if there is a God who has revealed himself to us, which there is, has he said anything about this? It turns out he has, right? And so, but when we emphasize the way that we internally feel and that's how we confirm everything, all of a sudden God's revealed truth in his word mm-hmm. is not the ultimate authority for mm-hmm. us right. anymore. Right. Yep. And sadly, where, where people are running for freedom from this law, you know, that they're trying to run from, they're entering just a new law. Mm-hmm. There's yep. no freedom there. There's no grace there. It's like you'd like to talk to some of these people who are deconverting and they're going and living and accepting this lifestyle. I dare you to change your mind. See how free you are. Mm. Like go ahead and amongst your friends, your new friends and stuff, say, I've I've changed. I'm not like this anymore. I don't and, – and see what happens. You're not going to experience grace. You're not going right. to – experience freedom you're not going to hear them say that's cool man just be who you are mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to hear that <laughs> yeah. they don't they don't typically say that to um i shouldn't say there are many many instances where people don't say that to ordinary actually orthodox christians right mm-hmm. just be who you are and it's okay yeah. yeah and so it's just it's just another form of law that you're going to yeah that's going to crush you and, and what ends up happening with that that's i think really interesting is yes like try to change your mind but you can't Mm-hmm. And people realize that. And so what ends up happening, and I realize this is a caricature, but I actually heard a story this past week. I was talking to a person who's a retired teacher that was speaking with someone who still teaches um, at a school that's not far from here, talking about how there are there they were talking to their teacher friend about how they have students in their class who identify as animals, not even a person of the opposite gender, but as an animal. And like this, the student would bark in class. I'm not kidding. It's actually genius. That kid's genius. I'm not. I know. It's <laughs> Test like, me, teacher. Like Test the thing me. that I did when I was in elementary school is that the substitute teacher would ask like what our name was. And I would say, I'm actually called Charizard, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Did really do that? I had friends that did that. Is I that might Dragon have done Ball? That few, no, that's Gotta Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. That's Pokemon. <laughs> but that's, the that's thing awesome. is, is that according to what they were telling me is that the administration of their school had told them if the child identifies as something else, you need to recognize that they are something else. But that sounds crazy. To but us. that is the logical conclusion. Yeah, yes. That's where you have to go. It's right? where it's because there is no stopping. Because if you it like what he said here is that um, they're looking for a pathway to moral freedom regarding sex. Mm. There is no end mm. to it, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why anybody who would try to put a cap on it. Mm. All of a sudden, you end up in a logical fallacy, and so if people are going to be consistent, right. they have to keep going whichever direction this seems or, or, to go. And remember, I don't know if you, I think wasn't this one of the things whenever they were talking about the whole just just the simple uh, gay marriage push. Well, once we get gay marriage, we're just talking about same sex couples. Mm-hmm. We're not going crazy with this. 
Like that was always the thing, right? Don't, because you don't know that you're not, we're not going to go crazy beyond that. It's going to stop right there. And then we realize, well, we can't because to oppress anybody else is to uh, to deny them their identity. Um, So, yeah, I think it is sad. It should, it should create um, compassion in our hearts, not, not just, I mean, I think at some level it's inevitable to be frustrated, but also to be compassionate. To realize, like Tim's saying, these people, they know not what they do at some level. Some maybe do. <laughs> I mean, there may be some people who do know what they're doing. But mm-hmm. there are, there are, most of them do not know what they do. And um, they need to know the grace of Jesus Christ. So. Wow. We just tied a podcast about clapping and... A podcast? Yeah, a podcast we just did. Remember earlier we talked about clapping after, you know. Oh, yeah. It feels like a celebrity week ago. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was last week. Um, Yeah. Could declare yourself as Bigfoot. You know, it's funny, though. I've actually thought. I've thought. I am Bigfoot. I've thought about it, though, before. It's like, what if I go into a store and I'm like, I identify as a person who takes something from the store, but you don't catch me. That's who I identify as. You can't arrest me because you're assaulting my identity as a person. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's laughable, but it's like, again, like, where does Mm -hmm. it stop? There is no... Yeah. There is no conclusion there. Yeah. Before we draw it to a close, I mean, I just feel like I... Because I know this is an issue that is going on in people's lives, and it's known already, but... I mean, I can just tell you right now, if it's not happened in your life, it will soon at some point in the next couple of years. It probably will. And um, the things like we're not going through like the exegetical arguments for why we think that Scripture is does not allow for homosexuality uh, within Christianity. We don't have time for that. But I would say this is that if somebody you know comes out as gay or like you find out they're struggling with homosexuality as a Christian – then you really you need to bring that person to talk to your pastor. I mean, we we do this for for our church primarily, but what's I think we've tried to bring out in this conversation is that this is not an issue of mere sexuality and sexual desire. That's part of it, but there's really bigger issues of identity going on here mm-hmm. and being able to root our identity in Christ is a is a big thing and it's really important and so um just recognize there's something else going on. Uh, it's This isn't just about sex. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good yep. point. Good closer. Okay. Well, as we record this uh, today, um, the Cardinals have won 16 games in a row. So we're going for uh, number 17. Is that like 16 games out of 300? Out of 162. 162. Yeah, the longest winning streak since many. 1951 in the National League. For the Cardinals? No, for, for the whole anyone. National League. Don't, National do you think it's horrible. true that the more games you have in a season, the less interesting every game is? Yeah. There's probably some level to that. Less um, important, for true. sure. Yeah. Well, USA won the Ryder Cup this year. Yeah, it was awesome. USA won the Ryder Cup. Um, I think they've I only won eight times out of the last 20 years. Yeah, I don't watch so that. That's pretty bad odds. Not too bad. It's almost but, 50-50. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Not too bad. USA <laughs> against the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, always. Right. Always. Well, against just, Europe. Against well, yeah, Europe, Europe. Just Europe. Well, it takes yeah. the world to beat us. That's right. That's right, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, America. I don't know. We, we, we won the world wars. Hey. Hey, I'm just saying. 
Just saying. So far. Kind of undefeated. We kind of came in. Kind of undefeated. We kind of came in after <laughs> people <laughs> kind of, hey, it took us coming in. We're it clean took up. us coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Then we, <laughs> we've lost other wars. Yeah, I was going to say, we've The last of, couple <laughs> we've done have not been no, good track yeah, records. So. I don't know if loss is a word. Kind of. Uh, tie. Yeah. <laughs> There's a certain way of twisting the story. There's the competitive. Vietnam was a tie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right, right. Okay. Anyways. All right, well. The Lions lost. Yeah, that's typical. You guys are typical Lions fans. It was close. And an oh, NFL you, record field goal. You guys, I don't I don't care at all about that. <laughs> I don't care at all. <laughs> don't say you guys. Sorry. You should have more compassion, Scott. Yeah, Scott. I have none. You don't identify. From that. what I hear, I shouldn't have compassion for Lions fans. <laughs> you should. Because they're in your congregation. <laughs> they are amongst the, the, they're the, the They probably need to learn their lesson and go to a different team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good week. Take care. Bye.